0: I am Sarah Jane Case and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, happy Thursday and welcome back to the podcast. Today I am breaking down for you the different elements of the Enneagram symbol, but first today's rosebud and thorn. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm glad you found us. I will tell you again what the rose, bud, and thorn is. So the rose is something great in my life, the bud is something I'm looking forward to, and the thorn that is like something not so awesome right now. So the rose is that we in North Carolina are having a 55 degree weather day and it is giving me life. (laughs) The um, door to my office is open and there's like a warm breeze and I'm thrilled. 55 degree weather in the winter is such a gift, whereas like 55 degree weather in the summer feels like winter. Um, I kind of like that paradox, you know? Now, the bud is that Valentine's Day is on Sunday, and I love Valentine's Day. Even when I was single, I loved Valentine's Day. I just think it's a fun excuse to. Dote over the people in your life and give them all of the compliments and gifts that you can I always get my steps on a new blanket every valentine's day. It's just like a weird thing. It's the First blanket I ever gave him when he was three Is like the blanket that he It was like his blankie, you know, and I think there was something about that that really really stuck with me and I he just like loves cozy things and being comfortable and So it's fun for me to kind of love him in that way every year. And my thorn is that I'm taking a bit of a risk with having the the office door open because the house across the patio from where my office is, is going through like deep construction and it's quiet right now. And I'm hoping that it stays that way. And also there's this neighborhood cat (laughs) that keeps trying to come inside to the office. Um, And I don't know how to handle it. (laughs) I don't want to be mean to a cat, but I also like can't let it in to my office. Like I'm not trying to get a pet cat right now. You know what I mean? And I don't know how to handle it. So I've just kind of been gently walking toward it and it'll run away, but then it comes right back. I don't know. So we'll see if this podcast makes it all the way through without an interruption of some kind. Fingers crossed. Okay. In today's episode, we are diving deep into the Enneagram symbol. People are kind of funny about the symbol, which is kind of a surprise to me because it's just a series of triangles and lines and a circle. But I guess that at one point in my life, I would have believed it to look like the devil symbol and then it could feel similar, like devil's symbol adjacent, but I actually kind of like it as it stands, especially when we get into the meaning of each element and really understand the intention behind it, it becomes even more meaningful and, I think, beautiful. So I hope I don't butcher this. Like, there are people who've been teaching the Enneagram for 25, 35 years who I learned this stuff from, so I am sharing my understanding As it stands, I get more nervous teaching these like technical things where there's some sense of like right and wrong, just because people are very passionate about their understanding of things. And it's weird because with the Enneagram, everybody kind of understands it differently. Like each school that I've studied under has some kind of different way of describing every element, but then they're not all, but a lot of them are like very passionate about right and wrong. So I, it, which I, I think that's fascinating, <laughs> but I will just say this is how I understand it. And that is what it is. Um, the symbol itself is built of a circle, a triangle, and a hexad. Hexab, hexad? Hexad? Hexad is a group of six. Like by definition. In this case, it's referring to a six-pointed figure that follows seven points from beginning through through to the end. Six changes back to its original point. So it kind of like zigzags back to its original point. And we'll get into that a little bit more. I promise it'll end up making sense. So the circle goes around the outer edge, right? And represents oneness, wholeness. Some say like eternal love, like a wedding ring. Um, And others say maybe like a boundary. We'll get into what each of these mean. So oneness is essentially the idea that we are not separate from one another or from the divine. Like I am one with you, you are one with me. And how I treat myself is essentially how I treat you. How I treat you is is essentially treating myself. So I want to make sure that I'm giving as much good as I can. Wholeness is the idea that we ourselves are not broken. Our Enneagram type expresses the belief that Um, we're incomplete. Like when I take on this personality type structure, I'm essentially saying something's wrong with me. So I have to develop this personality type in order to protect that and, um, and therefore force a feeling of wholeness through perfection or earning love or success or whatever my type tells me I have to be. But The Enneagram teaches that actually we were always whole and wholeness is innate, not something that can be found outside of just being. And so this circle is kind of a representation of like we're complete already. We don't need our type structure to make us complete. So let's get into boundary. You can also think of the circle as the boundary that our personality type creates. And working with the Enneagram is about learning to step outside of that boundary, to not be limited by what we thought we had to be in order to earn wholeness. And finally, when we think of it as like eternal love, it's similar to like a wedding ring. It's infinite. You know, it goes on and on and on, and um, it represents infinite love. Okay, so then we get into the triangle. The triangle connects types 3, 6, and 9. So if you've looked at the symbol, type 9 is up at the top, type 3 and 6 are on either side, and the triangle is the lines that connect those three together. This represents the law of threes which states that every whole phenomenon is composed of three separate sources, the active, the passive, and the neutral. Gurdjieff applied the law of three in a process of transformation, which required, as he saw it, affirmation, denial, and reconciliation. You can see the law of three illustrated in the three types that make up the inner triangle in the symbol, representing the three aspects to bring something into being. An advancing force, a resisting force, and a reconciling force that mediates between and brings the two together. Type threes, they're actively doing. Type sixes resist with questioning and doubting. And type nines work toward consensus and harmony. Now, there are also so many different groups of three in the Enneagram, and it's actually quite fun to pay attention to. There's three stances, there's three centers, like, you know, body, heart, and guts, Our body, heart, and head centers. You know, there's all kinds of three. So that's a really fun thing to kind of notice and maybe worth exploring in further episodes. Okay, so then we get into the hexad. <laughs> I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, this is the other connecting lines. They're going from type 1 to 4 to 2 to 8 to 5 to 7 and back to 1. It's kind of like this like really um, cool shape that gets applied over the triangle that finishes off the symbol. And this represents the law of 7, which is kind of the concept that the only constant is life is change. The law of seven is thought to explain the spectrums of things like light, which is shown in the seven colors of a rainbow, or sound, which is heard in the seven tones of an octave, and energy, which is like the seven chakras, if you're you're into that, which I kind of am. So um, some, myself included, interpret this as a message of movement, that life ebbs and flows and our growth will ebb and flow along with it. I also think of this as the action element of the Enneagram. Right, So we're looking at the rest and stress moves. Seven steps is connected specifically to those stress and rest lines, which are to me the most practical element of the Enneagram, the most action oriented. If you've read my book, you know we talk about understanding and working with these lines to increase self-care. It's kind of the active part of the model in here. Gurdjieff describes the Law of Seven as the progression of the vibrations which underlie all reality, implying that we expect these vibrations to change in predictable patterns and all at once. Yet, it is inherently unpredictable, and at times it will speed up or slow down. We must accept that the process of life will never be straightforward or patterned. Things stall or change direction. Acceptance of this is imperative to our own personal growth. To accept inevitable disruption means to be in unity with the law of seven. When we can understand and accept the law of seven and observe it within ourselves, we can open up new levels of self-awareness. Okay, so then finally, the numbers are added around the lines and are positioned in a very specific order. So at the top, you have type nine, and you move to the right into one, two, three, four, all the way back to nine, all around the circle. The types are, are grouped in three centers, the heart, head, and gut center. So at the top, we have types eight, nine, and one, which are the gut. And then to the right, we have two, three, and four in the heart. And then down at the left, we have five, six, and seven in the head. There is an entire podcast episode to be had on different centers of the Enneagram or um, a podcast for each potentially, but the goal is to balance your centers. We want to be engaging our heart, mind, and body regularly. Now, this is just a brief overview of the symbol. Let me know on Instagram if you have clarifying questions for this one, or again, the phone number is in the show notes. You can text or call those in as well. That's more likely to get answered, honestly, because I get to those a little bit faster. Today's food for thought is from Jack Canfield, and I think goes along pretty well with our conversation specifically around the law of seven. Change is inevitable in life. You can either resist it and potentially get run over by it, or you can choose to cooperate with it, adapt to it, and learn how to benefit from it. When you embrace change, you will begin to see it as an opportunity for growth. And if you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment and leave a rating and review in iTunes. As always, I love creating this content for you. I will see you tomorrow for a really fun interview with Jedediah Jenkins, a delight of a human being. Until next time, I'll see ya. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery.